In today's episode, you get to really see my personality. Personalities? Both of them. We learn why paying attention on a college tour is so important. We spend time learning how to use a Skinner box. What is that? We hear from two of physics' most famous scientists, all on the way to answering the question, where do faith and science intersect? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Hey, I'm sorry about missing last week. I came down with a cold and tried to do a test recording and found my voice, well, it either didn't sound very good or sometimes it just wasn't there at all. Wrong. I think I sound deep and rich and pleasing and even sexy. You are clearly delusional from a lack of oxygen caused by the cold. You just don't want to give me my moment to shine. And what about those spontaneous coughing fits? What about those? I like to think of them as powerful exclamation points. No, that they absolutely are not. And this is my favorite time of the show, the time in which you get to say goodbye and not be heard from again. Goodbye. I feel like the missed opportunity in that little opening bit I just did was while I still had my deep, gravelly, although not entirely pleasing voice, was to say, I'm Batman. I don't know. I just think it would have been fun. Okay, and now it's time to move on with the show. As I believe I've mentioned before, I majored in psychology while I was in college. And unlike many people who switched majors several times in college, from the moment I was probably in the 10th grade in high school, I never wavered on what I wanted my major to be. I wanted to learn about the inner workings, the inner motivations of the human psyche. And as much as I enjoyed it, I will admit that I chose the school I did, excited by the knowledge that they had a psychology department. And what I didn't pay any attention to at the time that I was looking at colleges was what kind of psychology department it was. Every single professor in the department was an avowed behaviorist. Now, this might not immediately mean anything to you, but I'll bring you up to speed rather quickly. Behaviorism was created by a man named John B. Watson. He created a field of psychological study in which the inner mental state, remember the stuff I was most excited about studying, was irrelevant. The only thing that mattered was what was observable on the outside. In other words, all behavior can be reduced to the stimuli that elicited the response or the behavior. You touch a hot stove, you move your hand. This field of study didn't care about your thoughts process or even your lack of a thought process, just how you responded to that particular individual experience, or in this case, they're called stimuli. Now, he may have invented this way of study, but by far its most famous proponent was B.F. Skinner, who did experience with rats and invented the Skinner box. The Skinner box is a small chamber in which you put a rat. On one wall of the chamber is a lever the rat can be trained to push, and there's a small chute through which food, food pellets, which we in psychology called reinforcement, can be given. The floor is even a metal grate that can be used to give mild electric shocks, and I don't 
remember ever shocking a rat. But I do remember that we often tried to shock each other while cleaning out the boxes. Anyway, I spent many, many, many hours of my undergraduate time in a dark lab attempting to train a rat to perform some simple task, whatever it was, like pushing the lever in order to receive food. Now, if you leave a rat unattended in a Skinner box that is set to dispense food when the lever is pressed, interestingly enough, it will eventually figure it out on its own. What the lever is, what happens when it's pushed, it'll figure out to push the lever and get food. But our goal as students was to teach the rat to do it. In other words, to speed up the learning process. So how do you get a rat to learn a behavior when you aren't allowed to touch the rat? And I'm not really sure we could teach it if we could touch it. Well, it's achieved by something called successive approximations. The person who is observing the rat's behavior has several controls on the outside of the box, and one of those controls is the ability to dispense a pellet of food, even if the lever has not been pressed by the rat. So, in the case when I was sitting there in the dark trying to train the rat, I would reward the rat with food when it did something that was close to the behavior I wanted. In this case, the behavior was pressing the lever, so when the rat moved towards the lever, I would give it food. The trick was not to give food again for that action, but to give the next pellet of food for something that was even closer to the desired response. Eventually, you have trained the rat to be right next to the lever, and then you may reward it for standing on its hind legs next to the lever. Pretty soon, the rat has pressed the lever, and the training is complete. This process, as I said, is called successive approximation. You don't get where you want to go with a single effort. It takes many, many tries and many, many adjustments to achieve the desired results. Okay, so hold the notion of successive approximations, and we're going to come back to that. Now to a new field of study, physics, and two of its most famous scientists. I will admit that I never took physics in college, which I deeply regret, but after I graduated, Physics became one of my favorite areas of discovery. I have read countless books on the subject, and I was particularly fascinated by the physics of time, which doesn't really relate to this other than telling you about my journey. I read a lot of books on that study. So one day, in hopes of expanding my knowledge on the subject of physics and therefore understanding the physics of time a little more, I started to look for a way to take a physics class without having to enroll in school. So I heard about a famous physicist who worked on the Manhattan Project, worked early in his career in the new and exciting field of quantum mechanics, and more importantly for me, was a popular and evidently very interesting lecture. Matter of fact, as scientists go, he was a bit of a rock star. Anyway, his lectures for his Intro to Physics course had been recorded on cassette back then and were available for sale. And so I sought them out and bought them. This scientist that I got his cassettes, this scientist is Richard Feynman. And he's an interesting guy to be talking about at this point because we're really talking about the intersection of faith and science. So why do we turn to a man who was quite openly and proudly an atheist? Well, in answer to that question, I want to quote another famous scientist from the field of physics, but in this case, astrophysics. The scientist is well known to you, probably. His name is Carl Sagan. He said 
Science is not only compatible with spirituality, it is a profound source of spirituality. When we recognize our place in an immensity of light years and in the passage of ages, when we grasp the intricacy, beauty, and subtlety of life, then that soaring feeling, that sense of elation and humility combined is surely spiritual. The notion that science and spirituality are somehow mutually exclusive does a disservice to both. Now back to Feynman. Feynman said a number of things. Matter of fact, the struggle I'm having in this podcast is resisting the urge to add everything he said that was interesting, which is, of course, impossible, but still nonetheless very tempting. The first thing from him I want to quote is the shortest and simplest. He said, religion is a culture of faith. Science is a culture of doubt. There are countless forms of faith. Feynman himself was not a believer. So to take all religions and say that they all have a culture of faith is, well, just not very scientific. Also, a number of years ago, I read a book entitled Great Feuds in Science by Hal Hallman. Now, I'm going to say that again because it's a great book. Great Feuds in Science by Hal Hallman. It's just a really fun, fascinating read. Suffice it to say that there are plenty of fights within the hallowed walls of science in which scientists act more as protective, obstinate faith believers rather than the cool, objective doubters. So there are plenty of famous scientists who are pretty faith-based, far more than this quote proposed as the ideal for scientists and their field of study. The faith I believe in, the faith I love, is all about the doubts. Because doubts lead to questions. Questions lead to spiritual quests, and those, I believe, always lead to growth. You might be shocked to know how many ordained people went through periods of being atheists in their youth because they were asking questions and those questions eventually led them to a very different place than their teenage atheism. One of the other things that Dr. Feynman said was, I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. And to this, I say, yes, 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 me too. Now, some people get frustrated with too much of this talk because they say when religion is only about affirming questions and never about the answers, well, it gets pretty amorphous and unhelpful for the human journey. And to that, I say, well, I absolutely agree with that as well. I would be the first to say that I don't want anything to do with a faith that offers no answers. Nor would I want anything to do with any form of science that never attempted to answer the questions of the world. So now to answer our question for the day. Where good religion and good science, because there's bad religion and bad science, let's admit it. But where good religion and good science have an intersection is that they, at their best, are both inclined to say, here is our best answer for now. And that caveat of for now is so important. Here is our best answer for now. And that's the notion of successive approximation and where it comes into play. 
Our job as people of faith and believers in God is not to find an answer and then believe that we have this God-faith thing all figured out. It is instead to understand your journey as a believer, that you will always be seeking answers, and not just seeking them, but regularly finding a new answer that seems to fit for you on your quest. And yet, after you hold it for a while, you still understand that each new answer is hopefully a successive approximation leading ever closer to the ultimate truth, which is probably never going to be revealed or fully achieved for any of us in this lifetime. Look, one of the mistakes we make on our earthly journey as believers is believing God wants us to somehow get it 100% right, and that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I was recently teaching our three-year-old granddaughter to swim, and we had a huge breakthrough. She wears one of those toddler flotation vests that wraps around her middle and has little wings on her upper arm to help her learn to swim. And for the First time this past weekend, she was willing to let go of me, Sarah, and float on her own. There were huge cheers and lots of joy from us and from her. And we weren't for one moment worried about what she did not yet know about swimming. Only celebrating her new discovery and learning. Now, I figure God is way more loving, patient and understanding than I am. So God's not sitting there wondering when we will reach total enlightenment and understanding. Instead, it's all about those successive approximations, those little growths that move us each time towards our Creator. And how does God feel about those? God celebrates every single one. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you by email. My email address is dan at skypilot.zone. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.